Welcome, Red Sox fans. Here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Totally Legit or Calling the Cops. In this episode, if you haven't listened to it before, we're going to give... A bunch of scenarios or predictions, and then Jason Kelly, Charlie Smith will tell me if it's totally legit, if they think it is, and if, if they don't, they're going to call the cops. So always a fun format. We've got some interesting ones to get into this episode. So are you guys ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Number one, Adam Ottavino will lose his eighth inning setup role at some point in the near future. Jason, totally legit, or are you calling the cops? I'm going to say totally legit. Um, I think Ottavino's kind of a mess right now. And, um, you know, granted, the Red Sox bullpen is not exactly stellar. So I'm not sure who takes over that role. Maybe Josh Taylor when he comes back from the COVID IL. Maybe Sawamora, if he can string together some more consistent outings. But I think Ottavino right now is, I used to say he was a flip of the coin, but it's worse than that now. I mean, he he looks like he just can't stay focused. He He's losing control of that breaking ball. Um, so I, I think he's just kind of more of a sixth, seventh inning guy. If you have a comfortable lead, you put him in there, but... In terms of like an eighth inning close game kind of situation, I think he's lost that role. I, I don't think that Cora trusts him, and uh, nor should he. So I think it's totally legit that he's going to lose that role. I agree. Um, it's It's been ever since the Yankee series because he was one of the better relievers and had the same ERA as Matt Barnes. They were both seeing at a 2.54 on July 21st and then faced New York twice. Blew a save in one of them and just couldn't get it right. I mean – in the month of August, he's only pitched four times. He's allowed runs in two of those games. So it's just, it's not something you can afford to have consistently from someone who's responsible for being there right before you have the guy who shuts the door. You're not going to be able to the guy that shuts the door if you allow the, you know, allow one or two runs and you blow the doors off. You just can't. You just can't do it. And yeah, it's, it's definitely legit. It's possible the Red Sox have milked all that they can out of him for the year. And I think in some aspects, maybe the book might be out on him as far as how to attack him in the batter's box. So the one benefit he will have coming up is we've got the Yankees this week. We'll have Tampa at some point, you know, before the month is out. And then we've got a bunch of bad teams mixed in the twins the rangers so maybe he finds it but if you remember though he did have a rough series against the rangers earlier this year so i tend to think that's legit as well so put me in that column we will be getting darwin's and hernandez back and ryan brazier could be back at some point this week by the looks of it he's already made two rehab appearances so 
there'll be options to plug in there. Even if it's not a set relief eighth inning setup guy, it could be a mix of guys based on matchups and whatnot. So there's also that. I also want to ask you guys, I, I raised the question in the last episode. Could Matt Barnes possibly lose the ninth inning coming up? He's been scuffling a little bit, and I mean, you you couldn't take it away from him tomorrow, but if he blows three more saves here in the next week and a half, it's going to... It's gonna be a valid question at that point. I, I, if I can interject, I'm sorry. I think it'd be awesome if he only blows three saves in the next like <laughs> week and a half because it's happening so frequently now. And I want to say that we talked about this once. Does Josh Taylor? Do I think it's so legit? Yes. I'm gonna pose a a one B to that one A question. So I want to hear what Jason and you have to say to that. But is it also possible that Josh Taylor, is it totally legit or are you calling the cops on Josh Taylor being a potential closer for the Red Sox? Yeah, so I was going to say I could see Matt Barnes losing the closer position based on matchups. So if you're looking at a scenario where he's got a couple of left-handers coming up, um, I wouldn't be shocked, of course, as you know what, I feel more comfortable with a guy like Josh Taylor going in there and closing the ninth against left-handers or even Darwinson, who was pitching pretty well up until he got hurt. Um, and I know Darwinson has been up and down, but he's a young guy. He throws hard. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you got a couple of left-handers coming up, if maybe Taylor's been used quite a bit, of course, as you know what, I'd rather see Darwinson take the ninth than Matt Barnes against a couple of lefties. So um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Matt Barnes can lose the closing job particularly when it comes to specific matchups down the road. He, he didn't look good in the last series against Tampa. He was, he was trying to hit the outside parts of the plate, trying to hit the corners. He just seemed to be afraid to throw strikes. So I, I don't know what the reason is for that. His curveball doesn't have quite the bite that it had. So Hopefully, for our sake, one of those two just kind of figures it out. But it's kind of crazy that there's a little bit of anxiety here with our two late-inning guys who had been really good all year. Go ahead. So 2.57, 2 2.7, 2.45, 1.13, 21. That is the month-to-month ERA for Matt Barnes. Yeah, and, and he's, to me, Matt Barnes is a uh, spider tech candidate. Uh, he's a guy who has, I think, struggled since that whole crackdown. So he's a guy to keep an eye on because we were all saying it. Like, first half of the season, that curveball was disgusting. That was the most disgusting his curveball's ever been. And then all of a sudden, MLB cracks down on it, and eh, he's either not throwing it as much, or when he does, it's not – breaking as much like i don't know i you know he, he might be one of those guys i would not be shocked if one of their eras goes to the moon yep. attention listeners across the galaxy all the way from australia to houston do we have a pew problem if so our friends at manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0 kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0 
The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Well done, Charlie. You're way better at it than I am. Next, number two on the docket. Eduardo Rodriguez will be pitching in 2022 for the... Milwaukee Brewers. Totally oh. legit or calling the cops. Oh, just, man. just tackle this as if he won't be pitching for us. Yeah, okay. I I would say totally legit. Um, I don't think Eduardo Rodriguez will be coming back unless he is willing to take the ultimate team discount. And really willing to come back on a team-friendly contract because the Red Sox have a pretty decent rotation without him set up for next year. I mean, it's presumably Sale. Hopefully he's healthy, but presumably him. You've got Pavetta still under team control. Um, I don't think Evaldi will be back. I think he's he's done, right? So well, No, he's got one more year left. He has one more year. Okay, yeah. perfect. So then you've got Sale, Evaldi, Pavetta. You've got Garrett Whitlock, who you've been grooming to go into the rotation. All we hear about is this guy, Connor Siebold, who's going to join the rotation too. Um, and I don't rule out Bloom going out onto the free agent market and picking out someone else who's in better shape or who is a better value than Eduardo Rodriguez. So I think if it were up to Alex Cora, he would be back. I think Rodriguez is Cora's guy, but... Ultimately, it's up to uh, it's up to Kyle Bloom, and unless Rodriguez is willing to take a major discount, which I don't imagine, because I think he's a Boris guy, so I don't see that happening. Um, I think Rodriguez is gone. So yeah, totally legit. He'll be in a different uniform in 2022. Totally legit that he's not going to be in Boston. Very close to being totally legit to him being a Brewer. I was one of the two people that called the Brewers to be absolute. Duds during our preseason predictions. And you put that in with future Cy Young, multiple Cy Young winner Corbin Burns, along with Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. I think he could be the guy again. And then you mix that in with arguably the best eighth and ninth inning guys, period, bar none. Devin Williams and then Josh Hader. Oh my God. Is there anyone more intimidating? I think not. And if Erod wants to dominate and even go to a team for one year to prove yourself, that's the team to go to. And you're going to see why. Christian Yelich is going to come back in 2022. Milwaukee's going to win over 100 games. It's going to be stupid. 
and they have a history of taking Red Sox players. I mean, we they traded for Travis Shaw, and he arguably had his best couple of years there. Uh, Jackie Bradley this year. They brought in Drew Pomeranz, kind of helped resurrect his career. Wade Miley spent some time there, pitched pretty well. So I think it's certainly that they would be a good fit for him, and I don't think he's going to command a ton of money. I'll say this, though. This is the only way I foresee him coming back to Boston, is if we get into the playoffs and then hopefully the ALDS, and then he's just a stud all the way through the postseason like he was in that one World Series game. I could see that kind of forcing Bloom's hand in a way. Like, I, I got to bring this guy back. And I could see it happening that way. That that would not shock me at all. Um, if Eduardo Rodriguez can really string together a good last two months here, and especially if he mixes in good playoff performances, um, I think the Red Sox as an organization, they value players who excel in the playoffs, especially pitchers. So I could see them being like, you know what? We weren't going to bring him back, but we'd rather have a guy who can pitch in October than, you know, trusting it to a guy like Connor Siebold, who we have no idea if he can do it. So, yeah, that that wouldn't shock me. If if Rodriguez has a really good last two months here, especially in October, yeah, I could see it. I will say this much. I've been adamant about saying that I don't think he's going to end up coming back. I think that if he ends up doing very well, it's going to be another one of those, thank you so much for being here, almost like a Pedro exit. Pedro got to win a World Series ring, and then he didn't come back. He went to the Mets and was able to produce for a couple of years there before kind of uh, flaming out in Philadelphia. I don't think Erod's coming back next year, regardless of what happens. I really don't, because there's no need to have him come back. There really is not. I'm, I'm tempering my expectations there. I think that the money needs to go to someone who's healthy, who's more consistent, unless... Jason said it. He takes an incredibly team-friendly deal. I also don't think he'll be back. I thought there was a possibility he could be traded, but that wasn't realistic, ultimately. That was a Cushman way out in left field prediction, which I'm known to come up with. But um, two more scenarios before we move on. Number one... Would Bloom possibly give him the qualifying offer? At which point, I think he would end up taking it and staying. I I doubt it. What's the qualifying offer for starting pitchers now? It's, Ru- it's roughly 18, was it like 19? 18. Oh, okay, yeah, no. He's taking yeah. that if you offer it to him. I'm not giving that to him. There's no way. He's not worth that. He's not worth no, that. No, I agree. Rodriguez would take it, but I don't think Bloom would offer it to him. No way. Yeah, uh, yeah we're aligned there. Just yep. for a one-year deal. Okay. This one, I think, is a little bit more plausible for Rodriguez. And no one's talking about it. Nobody's brought it up yet. What if the Yankees made a move on him? Because he's got a 3.69 ERA in Yankee Stadium. So maybe they'll look at that and be like, well, you know, and they'll think they're getting one over on the Red Sox. And he should be relatively affordable, I would say. Um, 
if that were the case, if the Yankees were to make a move on him, I hate to say it because I know Red Sox fans love him, but if I'm the Red Sox, I say, go ahead, have him. We, we can beat him in Yankee Stadium. We can beat him here, too. Like, I, I would not fear Eduardo Rodriguez going to the Yankees. I really wouldn't. Uh, it would not. That wouldn't shake me as a Red Sox fan, and it shouldn't shake the Red Sox as an organization. So if they make a move on him, I hope that it doesn't drive up the price and the Red Sox do something stupid where they go, oh, no, he can't be a Yankee. we got to have him. Like, no, let him go. If the Yankees want to overpay him just to get one over on you, let him do it because I don't I don't fear him in the Yankees uniform. I really don't. I intentionally did not mute for that clap so that everyone could hear me support that. I am totally okay with that happening because – Similar to that, Erod's going to then start trying to be really, really good against the Red Sox, and he's going to be even more upset when it doesn't happen against the Red Sox in New York. If that happens, I mean, I still don't think, I just don't think New York has the the stones to do it. I don't think they want to take the risk on it, just because like if the Red Sox aren't willing to take a risk, knowing how the Red Sox are moving in this direction of low risk or no risk, I don't think the Yankees can afford to take another player that could bust. They already have enough players on their team that are just not getting it done. I don't think the Red Sox would hold on to him in fear of the Yankees getting him much like Jason was alluding to as well. So, but it is a potential landing spot. If, if we don't sign him, I think that's how the Yankees will look at it. And, and they love signing our players that never really works out well, but all right, next on the docket, Travis Shaw will have a Steve Pierce effect on the Red Sox. Jason, totally legit or calling the cops? Oh, I'm going to say calling the cops. Uh, I'm calling the cops on that one. I, I think we already saw the best of Travis Shaw, and it was right after he left the Red Sox. I don't think that this is a guy who is going to have big postseason at bats because that's the thing, like, it wasn't just that Steve Pierce came here and he was a good part-time player. He was a postseason performer. Like, he was an instrumental part of that 2018 run. I don't see Travis Shaw having key postseason at-bats. He may not even make the postseason roster. So I think that he'll he'll get some at-bats here and there. Um, you know, he'll spell Bobby Dahlbeck a few times at first base. That'll be nice to see. But I really think that he's just here for depth. I think he's here for depth in case someone gets hurt or in case Schwarber's hamstring rips apart again or something like that. I don't see him being an instrumental part of this team, you know, in the latter half, potentially heading into the playoffs. So I'm calling the cops on that one. It's it's another low risk, you know, potential high reward um, candidate here. But similar to what we had, like this is a player who did well, was able to be a packaged player to Milwaukee when they got Thornburg, which did not work out. He had a good year and a half or so in Milwaukee, kind of tried to revolutionize and and reinvent the wheel on himself to play in Toronto. It didn't work out. Um, I think this is a potential replacement for someone who we currently have, i.e. Marwin Gonzalez or Danny Santana, who we just do not think are going to get it done. Travis Shaw has expressed and and 
display, not express, displayed the ability to do infield and potentially outfield play as well. Um, I'm pretty sure he got used in the outfield, not just first and third base. Am I mistaken on that? I think he did see some time. I think he saw there, which added to his versatility. Bye-bye Marwin, add Travis Shaw. I'd, I'd probably rather see someone who's already spent some time on the team in the past. It'd be kind of, you know, it's like the Steve Pierce thank you contract. Like, thank you for your contributions earlier in that sense. Um, but I don't think anyone's going to see Travis Shaw in the lineup and be like, damn it, again we have to face him? So it's it's neither here nor there, but I, I don't think he's going to be a huge impact player, similar to what Jason mentioned. I'll call the cops on it as well. I don't think it will necessarily be a, a big-time fail, and I'm cautiously optimistic he'll give you a little bit more at the plate than what Marwin gave us, but I don't know if he'll you know, have those signature moments that Steve Pierce did. Now, when he when the move got made today and the Red Sox claimed him off of waivers from the Brewers, my initial thought was, well, okay, well, there's your second baseman if Arroyo goes down again seven games after coming back because he, he can play second base. Uh, Travis Shaw can. But he can also play first base. And it, the platoon situation, like the beat writers mentioned, lines up. You know, Bobby hits lefties, Shaw hits righties, and, and maybe that's your platoon. So now I'm thinking, are they losing confidence that Schwarber is going to be adequate at that position or maybe he's going to be too much of an injury liability and therefore he's going to go to left field and and play? I mean, he can also DH and then JD goes to left field. I, I don't know. But I, I'm the read I'm getting right now is that by adding Travis Shaw, there's a little less confidence Schwarber will be playing a, a lot of time at first base. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair thing to think. It's like, why are you picking up Travis Shaw if you were so excited about adding Kyle Schwarber at the deadline? I mean, we've heard from Bloom that like he felt like he got the best bat at the deadline in Kyle Schwarber. If that's the case, then why are you picking up Travis Shaw on waivers? And you can say it's just for depth, but at the end of the day, like Travis Shaw is borderline an everyday player. So you're picking up a guy like, you know, and again, sure, rosters will expand. He's, you know, okay, fine. But why are you picking him up if you were so confident in Kyle Schwarber? It tells me that either A, they were lying about how confident they were in Schwarber, or B, they realized how bad of an investment Marwin Gonzalez is, and they're just looking for a replacement for that. Either way, uh, Bloom's trying to make up for some mistake somewhere with Travis Shaw. So I'll say this much. I don't think it's anything to do with the, the lack of faith in Kyle Schwarber because we know what we were getting with Kyle Schwarber as far as like the, the, the pop. That's why you got Schwarber. Now, defensively, I don't know what Kyle Schwarber is going to be able to provide at first base. Travis Shaw, when he played first base, because I remember him mostly as a third baseman before Devers got here, what was he like at first base? He was pretty good. He was pretty good. Yeah. So if Schwarber ends up being um, a, a flex, because if I have the choice between Schwarber at first or Travis Shaw, I'm taking Schwarber. 
because Schwarber's got pop in the bat and can hit the ball. He's got a higher batting average, and he's hit four times the number of homers. Travis Shaw is nothing more than a mere replacement to Marwin Gonzalez. I'd rather have Shaw than Gonzalez. But no one's going to say, oh yeah, this is going to make the team. We still don't know what, what it's, what's going to happen. He might show the you know, the, the rowdy Telez pop right at the beginning and, and, and do like a Sandy Leone or, or Michael Chavis, like blow up the first like month that he's there and then kind of cool off because he hasn't had that much experience with the, the pitchers that he's seeing right now. I don't think Marwin Gonzalez is going gonna, is gonna to be the answer. I don't think that Travis Shaw is the long-term solution, but I think he's a, a formidable replacement for Marwin Gonzalez. Nothing to do with Schwarber. Cora said today, either I think it was right after the game, that Shaw is going to be put in the lineup immediately and he will be utilized and, and Cora expects him to play a role here. You know, he's not just going to start probably twice a week like a Danny Santana might or or Marwin. So, and the only two positions he mentioned was first base, second base. He mentioned some late inning pinch hit type roles. So, one way or the other, we're going to see him. And the thing that kind of frustrates me with this team a little bit is that it, it has an identity crisis. Like, they just... Alex Cora doesn't want to commit to any one thing. You look at that 2018 team, your outfield was set. It was always going to be Benny, Bradley, and Mookie. Barring just a scheduled day off that Cora loves to give, that was it. Your left side of the infield, it was always going to be Devers... Well, actually, I shouldn't say that because he was bad the first half of that year, but... By the time the playoffs came, it was Devers and Xander on that side. And Kinsler was at second. And then you had your platoon of Moreland and and Pierce. There, there wasn't a lot of mystery as to who was playing where. But now it's like, how, how is it going to fit? We're coming up on September. And we still don't know how the pieces fit. You know, it could still be Schwarber at first, but... It could be him in left. It, it could be him at DH and JD in left, like I mentioned earlier. It's just crazy. And then Kike bouncing back and forth between second and in the outfield. And I'm almost positive Duran's going to have to get optioned at this point. Where can he? And I neglected to mention him in the last episode, but he was he was three for nine and drove in runs in two out of the three games. So, albeit a bad lineup. So. He'll have two more weeks, maybe, to to see what else he can do. But but it's just a it's a weird situation. And I hope I hope Shaw's a beast. I hope we're all wrong. But when has there been another time that a player came back and was just as good? It didn't happen with Workman, and he's a pitcher. I get that, but. There might have been one or two other examples. I know Ellis Burke came back in 2004. <laughs> that wasn't nothing, but but we'll see. We've got time for one more. Charlie's going to love this one. Garrett Richards will be one of the most reliable relievers going down the stretch. Jason, totally legit or calling the cops? 
Oh, calling the cops. Look, really? let's, yeah, oh yeah, come on. This is, this guy, I saw him warming up, what was it, Friday's game that I think he got into? Um, he pitched Friday's game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he pitched three innings, and look, he was good. He, you know, only gave up four hits, no runs, no walks, struck out four. But look at him warming up in the bullpen. He throws a pitch, and he's immediately going to, like, the pitching coach and shaking his head, being like, ah, I don't know, like, his body language still sucks. The guy is still just such a mental case that, look, he can go in against Baltimore and pitch three scoreless innings in a blowout game because that's all he can handle. When it comes down to, like, anything remotely close, anything within, like, four runs or less against a better lineup, if you put Garrett Richards out there, he's going to puke all over himself, and it's going to be a disaster. So, no, I I am not sold on Garrett Richards, a relief pitcher. I think he hates his existence out in that bullpen. I think that he he hates every second of it. And the guy was already a mental case to begin with as a starter. Now that you put him in the bullpen and you've shattered his confidence, he's not going to get it back. He's not a fighter. He's not a guy who's going to go, oh, I'm going to prove you all wrong. Nope. He's going to go in there. He's going to get shelled in one of these games and – we're all going to go, yep, that was officially a waste of $10 million. Thanks, Guyam. So I'm going to shock the world and say, I think we have, uh, we've hit the turning point, and Garrett Richards is going to start showing his value. Um, oh, jeez. No one in their right mind is believing that gun to my head. That was his second appearance this year where he hadn't allowed a run. His second appearance. First one out of the pen. He hadn't done that since uh, May 13th against Oakland where he allowed no runs and gave us six innings of good work. And that was when people were saying, yes, this is the guy that we wanted. This was the one. No. Garrett Richards doesn't hate his existence in the bullpen. Garrett Richards hates his existence. And I hate it too. This is my dud for the year. I don't want any part of this. Congratulations. You lowered your ERA to just over five. Just over five. And this, like, I have to keep my language tame and my mouth quiet for the most part on this one. There is no way I want anything to do with Garrett Richards. The fact that Terry said, oh, Charles going to love this one. I was like, it's either Garrett Richards or Bobby Dahlbeck. <laughs> it has to be one of the two. I want no part. I want no part. I'm with Jason on this one. I'm going to go rogue on this one as much as I hate Garrett Richards and I'm actually going to say it's legit I think he can get three to six outs I think they can find two pitches that he can throw and be effective I really do do I think he's ever going to be handed the eighth inning as a as a role no I, I absolutely don't believe that but I th- I think he's I think he's going to be fine in the bullpen. And I mean, would I choose him over Josh Taylor? No. (laughs) Would I choose him over Matt Barnes? Maybe next week. Depending on how that goes. (laughs) You know, so we'll see. I I think he's going to be a serviceable arm. He's not going to be Austin Bryce bad. That type of bad. He, I don't think he's even going to be Brandon Workman bad. So I just think he's a body they can throw in there that can give you some outs. 
and I still hate him if it makes you feel any better. I, I and I'll I'll you know burn something down if he somehow ends up on the roster next year. <laughs> but um, but I I think I, I think he'll be all right in the bullpen. Yeah, no, that that'll be good. Ten million dollars for a guy who can get maybe six outs. That's yeah. There you go. That's what we wanted. I, I didn't say the dollar value was was good because it isn't. But but yeah. So we'll see. I, all right, so I'm gonna say this much, and I don't think you're doing it just because you want to keep the show interesting and adding a little bit of variety. I gave it to you straight. Um, I, I appreciate you for doing what you do. Sometimes you, you, you know, it's not a gun to your head. You just give it to us good and hard. And this was a good and hard take from Terry. I understand why you could say that, because here's the thing. If Garrett Richards could, in theory, in theory, success, successfully dominate with two pitches, I don't care if you throw 50 pitches in two innings, as long as you can get six outs. But I don't want to see you get defeated. I don't want to see you get dominated, and I do not, under any circumstances, want you to look into the dugout and wait for your manager to pull you out. I don't want to see it. I'm thoroughly happy that he threw 50 pitches in three innings and struck out four, allowed four hits, and didn't allow a run. I'd be a liar if I didn't say I was surprised, because I am. But truth be told, truth be told, I need to see more than one start against the Orioles before I say this is a formidable reliever in the bullpen down the stretch. Reason for that being is anyone can look good against the Orioles. Anybody can. Just ask Bobby Dahlbeck. He looked great. So if he can do this consistently, you throw him out there, you trot him out there like Garrett Whitlock, and you have him go out there for two, three innings, and he throws 50, 60 pitches, and he doesn't allow any runs, or he allows one run, and he strikes out four or five, then, Terry, I will drink some of that. I might huff it. I might huff the punch you're drinking. I, when I mention two pitches, that would be them simplifying what he's going to do out there. So th- that's where I get that from. But ideally, he won't go more than two innings. He won't get more than six outs. I think three was kind of asking a lot. But in that case, they did have the benefit of a big lead, and they were saving the bullpen. So I, I guess in that scenario, you could get get – you know, more than two innings out of him if it's a non-competitive game. But, but I do, I do see value there. So we'll see. I could be, maybe he'll get shelled the next three times and then DFA'd. I, I don't know. I, I, I like him in that role better than Perez. Let me put it that way. Perez can go out there and give it up right away. I feel like. So yeah, we're not a Perez. I, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, Richards at least has the potential to deliver better stuff in a short period of time than Martin Perez does. Yeah, right. And there was that start. He pitched five decent innings in his last actual start, but then his start before that, he was lights out that first time through the order. I forget who that was against, but and then the second time came up and he you know he started scuffling. So, so yeah, so. We will wrap with that. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back Wednesday night to recap the Yankees series, give our observations, vent, however it ends up playing out. But the three of us did have the Red Sox winning that series by at least two games and uh, also some sweeps. So 
We will see you then. Take care.